Did you see the Oppenheimer trailer? No. It looks pretty good. Do you want to go to IMAX when it comes out? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm down for like Christopher Nolan doing a three-hour um, biopic on that dude. I think that's where I want Christopher Nolan's direction to lean more on. I really mm-hmm. love Dunkirk, the historical stuff. Mm-hmm. Tenant, I thought, was him maybe trying to push a bit too far into the weird idea that I've got. And it kind of like the idea took over... Yeah. The, my agreed. enjoyment of the film. Yeah, same. This Oppenheimer movie. I saw like first reviews said it was really, um, pardon me, really awesome, like really e- epic. Mm. So I'll be really keen for that one. And Barbie. Oh, yeah. I really want to see Barbie. There's been so much uh, marketing and advertising for that movie that I yeah. thought it was already must have out. been like out or like very, it's still not two weeks away. I didn't even know. So. I haven't seen a trailer or anything, but I saw something and it was like about how Ken feels... Like he doesn't get enough of the spotlight or no one ever cares about Ken or something. Yeah, okay. I was like, interesting. But um, it looks really good. Yeah. And I've heard good things about that as well. So we're, And I really want to see Mission Impossible. So that is out though yeah. as of uh, recording this episode. But The year kind of flipped for me from not many films out that I do want to see uh-huh. to suddenly a bunch of stuff that I want to see. I might not be able to always jump out to the cinema to see it, but... Um, yeah, uh, it's like it's shaping up now to be an interesting year oh for me. Oh, my God, yeah. For movies. Um, me too. Me but, too. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Yeah, this is uh, Look Who's Podcasting. I'm Jimmy. I'm Tristan. And we're doing a bit of a mixing up a little bit this this episode. We're doing a double episode, yeah. a bit of a mid-year roundup extravaganza. Yeah, uh, a good like Christmas in July roundup. We're going to do a whole bunch of them. We're going to split it in two. We might start splitting episodes in two, you know, um, or just shortening the length of the episodes going forward just for, um, you know, the sake of editing and things like that. Less time on my hands these days, but um, I don't think the audience will mind too much. Nice, nice tight 60, 70 minute episode. Well, yeah. The Turtles episode was around 80 minutes. Uh, And I thought that was pretty good. So probably similar to that. I won't right. have to try to really mine the movies for content, try to sound all smart. I'm actually quite dumb, so it'll work <laughs> no, out, I think, in everybody's favor. That's not true. Don't mind. I'm just fishing, bro. Don't mind me. <laughs> On to the matter at hand. Let's jump into it, yeah. Well, first things first, actually. Before I start the movies, it seems like we've both watched a lot of uh, movies in this last yeah. few weeks. Um, yeah. And two, uh, I seem to have watched a lot of documentaries. And a lot of yeah. sci-fi space themes things, Good. space themed things, uh, which is very me. So yeah, I got a good sci-fi one for you. Yeah, I love my sci-fi. I love yeah. my docos. So yeah, this this roundup especially, I feel like, is quite a lot of films that are very reflective of me. Um, me too, actually. It, you know, we're gonna get the whole spectrum of you know we always talk about being in the mood for this and that yeah you're gonna you're gonna be able to identify where my moods led you know yeah. what phases I was in but no like the other roundup you had that great recommendation um, the rescue oh yes and like I was actually telling people about that movie I still haven't seen it yet I was just telling them your rendition of the, yeah, you know, yeah telling about the movie and it sounds so good like I'll you know I'll touch base on it again when I've actually seen it but yeah. Yeah, well, you, you do have good uh, Docker recommendations. Well, I got a sure. few. I got a few good ones in this episode as well. Nice. Uh, one that was a revisit that I used to love, and I've gone back to, and then a couple of new ones. Yeah, sweet. Um, but before we get into docos, let's start with a sci-fi, The Quiet Earth from 1985. I know this movie. Oh, you've seen this one? I've seen it a long time ago, and I right. And I did I remember, it's the New Zealand film, isn't it? It is a New Zealand movie, yeah. It's a 70s movie, right? Or is it an 80s movie? Uh, 85, mid-80s. Oh, 85, okay. It does have yes. a very 70s feel to it, though. It has that that sort of film, it's shot on film, has that very film aesthetic that will look kind of 70s-ish. Yeah, okay. Because uh, I think maybe because it's also independent, or it's very, looks like an independent film. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's 
the reason why you think 70s? I don't know. I think maybe it's a bit slower, a bit quieter. That too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you jump into it, actually. Well, yeah, as the name suggests, as you were just saying, it's uh, about a quiet Earth. It's about a post-apocalyptic Earth uh, where an experiment has gone wrong and one man may be the last man left alive. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I remember, like, great sort of shots of him... Um, you know, like Vanilla Sky, how there's that scene where Tom Cruise has the dream sequence where he's in Times Square in New York alone. Yeah. It's like, how they do that? I remember thinking there was a lot of moments where it was Abs- so great. He's just by himself in this vast, you know, different environments. Yeah. Absolutely. That was 100% my uh, takeaway of the film. And my favorite part of the film was just seeing these large, you know, populated spaces all empty and how yeah. eerie and weird it looks, you know, like stadiums and hospitals and yeah. places like that. It's really cool. So, yeah, he works for this like international organization that's using energy from the Earth's atmosphere to power planes or something. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. But either way, this experiment goes wrong. He suspects that that's the culprit for everyone yeah. disappearing. Puts a call out on the radio, uh, on billboards. After five days, nothing. Nobody gets back to him. He has nothing. He starts yeah. losing the plot which is fun. It's just fun watching him kind of lose his mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine, like, what it would it be like, man? Like, imagine just everyone disappeared. Yeah. Like, it would just, you'd go for all the emotions, whether it's, like, depression, but also just, like, delusions of all different types, whether it's grandeur or all. Yeah, so he's, you know, playing pool by himself. He's talking to himself. He's declaring himself the president of Earth, you <laughs> yeah. know, he goes from one extreme to the other. He's having, you know, suicidal tendencies. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, as you hinted at, of course, eventually other people start showing up. Um, oh, yeah. Big, by the way, spoilers for all the movies we're going to mention. Yeah, I don't want to go too... I, maybe I don't want to spoil too much, but... It's an old movie. It is an old movie. And I, don't, I, don't, old movie. I don't think, you know, it will spoil anything by saying that, but... Um, just for the future movies as well. We, there's some we'll get into where I want to go detailed into it. Yeah. Um, so well, all I will say is that a few people do show up, and I think they're all fantastic. Yeah. Their characters and their um, performances. I think even in the trailer, you find out that yeah, he's not alone at a certain point in the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's a very still a very quiet Earth though. It's only a couple people. Yeah. But yeah, I loved it. He had some really incredible moments, some gorgeous visuals, not just the the film book that you were hinting at before, that also just, just these delightfully surreal moments. So yeah. obviously this organization has done this experiment, it's gone wrong, and it's causing all these tremors to occur. And whenever these do happen, we get this really wild effect. And it's like something out of like a David Lynch film. Okay. At times. Yeah. And then you just get these weird cuts of like different things of maybe a person like walking on the ceiling rather than on the ground and like yeah. you know, people walking backwards and, and then it kind of all cut back to this normal. And it's oh, just wow. really cool little quick montages. Like the fabric of reality is yes, maybe. It's all twisted and torn and yeah, exactly. It's upside down and all that kind of stuff. I love that. Back and yeah. forward and all that. And it's really cool. Yeah. Interesting characters, some really great moments, some gorgeous visuals out on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, yeah. Yeah. Spruiking for the Amazon Prime. Well, yeah. I figure, no, I I figure like I should try and if I remember. Give mention, people where they can. where you can actually watch some of those movies if I've I remember. Just, I've just torrented everything. So, <laughs> hey, you know what? <laughs> mm, yeah, and no, I'm, I'm glad you picked this movie. Where would it sit for you in, in like, you know, your favorite post-apocalypse movies? If we did a, oh. a little mini post-apocalypse movie list, where would it sit, do you think? Oh, wow. That's hard. Um, pretty high. Actually, yeah. I really like this. I really enjoyed this movie. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and it's a different kind of movie, isn't it? Exactly. To the, to the I standard. think that's it because you go post-apocalyptic, you sort of, you know, you go like like a War of the Worlds or something or like- a, You're in like Mad Max territory as or, well. Or Mad Max, yeah. Or you go into sort of like a 28 Days Later, like a zombie type yeah. thing. But this is different. This is, yeah. It's it reminded me a bit of like- there. Of like um, like Andre Tarkovsky kind of styles, you know, mm-hmm. just with the slower pacing and the quiet nature of it, it doesn't quite have that slow five minute scan over a lake or something that he would do that maniac. But um, no, I love him. But yeah, it, it would rank up there. I think you're right. Yeah, and it's so different and unique in in amongst all those other mid '80s apocalypse zombie films, you know, that would be coming out, you know, 
dudes on motorbikes and I'm thinking of all those Italian Mad Max ripoffs, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. mega truck and uh-huh. or death truck. I don't know, you know. I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. 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 Zach Hobson, July 5th. One, there has been a malfunction in Project Flashlight with devastating results. Two, it seems I am the only person left on it. Parent? Oh. Oh, I'm really glad you brought that movie up, actually. It sort of prompts me to go back and revisit it. I'll have yeah, to chuck do. it on my watch list so mm-hmm. that I remember it. Because <clears throat> it is a good movie. And a New Zealand movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think we said that before, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. You know, shout out to yeah. Locally Made. Or, we, well, we can kind of claim it. By we can claim proximity. it. Hey, we're Australians. We're, we're known for claiming New Zealanders, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand properties. Exactly. Well, um, I'll give you that sci-fi thing I mentioned. The, the first movie I'll, I'll bring to the table is from 1974 John Carpenter's Dark Star oh awesome but yeah so this was John Carpenter's first movie mm-hmm. and it was you know there's a lot that's been said about it It was a student film that eventually they wanted to expand on it turn it into a movie full-length movie so they got some more financing and um, yeah we're able to stretch out that you know, the length and it is something you've got to be in the mood for. Mm-hmm. You can tell that its origins were a student film when you're watching it in some ways, but in other ways, it's it's really quite impressive in terms of like the visuals and knowing, you know, like, like I said, you know, I think part of the mission for me with this podcast is I, I really enjoy it when other people put me in the right mind state or... Mm-hmm. Pump me up for a movie so that I can kind of get the most enjoyment out of it. This is a movie where you need to be in the right mind state for it. Right. Okay. It's free on YouTube. Oh, cool. Um, All right. I actually, my Blu-ray came in the mail the other day. I was so happy with this movie. I just wanted a copy of it. Yeah. Um, and I, all the special features is sort of what I wanted. I started buying more Blu-rays. Yeah, why not? You know, man? that disposable income. I'm not going to the cinema as much on account of little kiddos, so I'm... Just like at home, putting Blu-rays on Afterpay, spending $5 a week on it. It's so funny. (laughs) But yeah, this movie, if you're in the right mindset for it, I think you can be quite impressed with it. Mm -hmm. I had known about it for many years because it was, you know, John Carpenter's first film. And it it would be right up my or your or a lot of people's alley. You know, it's like sci-fi, it's early 70s or mid 70s. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've heard the name. I've never seen it because of... As you just said, it's known because isn't this the um isn't a lot of the crew went on to Alien? Is well, that right? Yeah, Dan O'Bannon. It's it's really his and John Carpenter. You know, right. we say it's directed by John Carpenter, but he doesn't. You know, it doesn't have his fingerprints on it so much as Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, it's you know he wrote it with him. They would never work together again. But Dan O'Bannon starring in it, mm-hmm. and Dan O'Bannon after the film came out, he would go on to you know, really try to push the movie and promote it where he could. I, I think the film is meant to be, you know, seen as a comedy and it is funny. It's got comedic moments. Mm-hmm. But the way they marketed it when it came out was that it was a spaced out odyssey because, you know, Space Odyssey had been so popular. Here's a spaced out odyssey. You know, now it's uh, grungy 70s hippies in space. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, if you pull it up, like I'd seen it or tried to watch it, earlier on wasn't in the mood for it i mm-hmm. thought it was just not for me it was a bit too slow or it wasn't it didn't have maybe that polish but after i did get myself in the right zone for it it became this unique um progenitor of this certain sci-fi genre like mm-hmm. you mentioned that they went on to do alien mm-hmm. and you know how like you and i have talked before about junk sci-fi yeah yeah of course or jobs in space you know Mm -hmm. and alien is working class people that are essentially like space truckers well this is one of the first movies that kind of did that oh nice okay so they are just on this spaceship the spaceship is called dark star Mm -hmm. and it's their job to go and destroy planets before they turn supernova and cause some damage in the galaxy but they're just so you know they're just regular working joes that don't really want to be there um, so you really see the DNA of the ingredients of Alien in this obscure, strange '70s John Carpenter movie, like called Dark Star. It's really great. Yeah. So um, 
as you can tell, like I really enjoyed it. It's such a 180 for me mm-hmm. going from being like, yeah, I'm not in the mood to like, nah, get that Blu-ray on Afterpay right now. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I, I get that though. I think some films you definitely need that yeah. to uh, be right in that right headspace, that right mood to really appreciate and enjoy. Yeah. It'll change your whole enjoyment yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. totally. But um. Oh, there was something else I want to say. Well, the the only other movie I can think of before Dark Star hmm. that kind of touched on this um, grungy space was Tarkovsky. Old mate Andre Tarkovsky gets <laughs> okay. another shout yeah. out with um, Solaris from the oh, early seventies, of course. Yeah. Because in Solaris, he's visiting a space station, and it's all just lived in. Mm-hmm. And, shit on the walls and junk everywhere. But, you know, like, that's what Star Wars was doing. Star Wars was doing, like, that lived-in universe and dusty, dirty stuff. And Alien did it, of course, after Star Wars. But it really becomes a piece of cultural, you know what I mean? Like, genre history, um, which is why I was more just enamored with it. Um, And I watched it twice. Like, it's only an 85, 90-minute movie. Yeah, I can't believe I haven't seen it. It's been one of those films that's been on my list to watch forever. Uh, I don't. I don't blame you because though. because yeah. it's one of those films that you know is influential in terms of just you know sort of doing a lot of what what you just said basically you know some yeah. important crew, um you know some starts for some important people for later films like in the eighties yeah. and so on, um but also just some visual ideas and concepts that were done in that movie that yeah you know we use later on, so. Yeah, it's been it's been a film that I've been meaning to check out, but I just haven't got around to. Like I said, I, I don't blame you because I have only just gotten around to watching it and enjoying it. Yeah. In you know, twenty twenty three, I've known about this movie for fifteen years mm-hmm. because of my time just googling. Give me some gritty, you know, working class space movies. Yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. So I've been looking for this type of movie for so long, and then I'm kicking myself I just didn't give it the proper chance it needed. Yeah. Um. So it, it's not it's not like I can recommend this to everybody because it is, um, you know, because of its origins as a student film and such. But and is it man, a bit of a slow burn? Is it a well, bit of a, like slowly paced, or is it? I mean, it can. I think it can feel a bit slow, but. If you're taking it as a comedy and you sort of, you start, like I relish just a, a shot of three dudes mm-hmm. in a tight little control room pushing mm-hmm. buttons and doing things. You know, I, I like that stuff. Okay. And how, how is the comedy? Is it, is it funny? Did you it's find it funny? very subtle. Right. Okay. It's funny if, if you are looking for it mm-hmm. to be funny. You might pop, pop this movie on in the background and not notice that it's a comedy okay there are little things and little lines that if you if you you sit down and you know turn your phone off and pay attention yeah um especially on the rewatch you're seeing how it and it's these disaffected you know just the fact that it's these people in space blowing up planets with such yeah you know this is our day job (laughs) i don't really want to be here there are funny points to it i just think because it's such a early film for the crew involved Mm-hmm. Maybe they weren't hitting those notes quite as hard as they could have. Right. Yeah. Um, and Dan O'Bannon would go on to be like, don't you guys, don't you get it, audiences? It's meant to be a comedy. And I think he would try to re-edit it to enhance those comedic effects. You could tell like he had a vision and all those ingredients, like I said, would go on to be an alien. But, you know, Dark Star is also part of Dune history as well because Alejandro Hadarowski in that Dune doco says he went and saw Dark Star. Get yes, me the right. guy that did the special effects, Dan O'Bannon. Yes. Yep. And yes, Dan right. O'Bannon jumped on the Hadarowski's Dune crew. Mm-hmm. That fell apart. That's when Dan O'Bannon would go on to pursue Alien using a lot of the same people yep. like H.R. Giger and whatnot. Correct, yeah. For the design. Speaking, speaking of good documentaries. So without Dark Star, we don't get Alien. We don't get, you know what I mean? We yeah. get, we don't get the movies that were inspired by Alien and so forth. And we don't, especially don't get Outland with Sean Connery. So. <laughs> yeah, it all comes back to that movie. It all it comes seems. back. <laughs> that's a good, fun movie. Anyway, so that's my, we'll that's the first movie I uh, mentioned. Sorry to spiel on about Dark no, Star. No, awesome, yeah. man. I love it. Thank you for bringing that one up. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Just cracking a beer. Why not? Beer we, ta- we, we take a moment. You know, we can have a... A brief pause, if need be. I bought Repo Man Blu-ray too. Yeah, I saw. That's a cool cover as well. It was cool. Yeah. 
I, I wished I could have gotten the Criterion, but I kind of fucked up getting another like D, um, Blu-ray box set and it turned out that it was region one for America only. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, Blu-rays have regions. God damn it. You know, you got to get region B, everybody. That's the Europe, Australian, you know, just, just the heads up to people out there or region free. Region free, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, all right. On to my movie <laughs> number two. Yeah. Uh, continuing the sci-fi theme, let's go to a more recent sci-fi, After Yang. It's about Yang, who is an android, and is Micah's beloved companion. Uh, Micah is Jake's young daughter, and when Yang malfunctions, Jake searches for a way to repair him. And Jake is Colin Farrell. Jake is played by Colin Farrell. Because I saw the trailer for this movie and I, I wanted to try to watch it. Um, this is a 2022 movie, isn't it? I have 2021, but it might be 2022. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah, 2021. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I think when we were doing the best of the year um, for last year, I was looking at sci-fi and, and this popped yeah. up. But you know how it can be a bit close when it comes to year oh, to especially, year. especially, you know, we always seem to get films yeah. here a couple of months later. So, But it looked really interesting. Yeah, uh, it is very interesting. The world is really, really cool and interesting. It's really well realized. Um, there's some really interesting themes, obviously, about, you know, not just what it means to be human, but of identity itself. Yeah. You know, uh, so Colin Farrell is loves tea. And he used to own a tea shop and he just, you know, is really uh, fascinated by tea and all the different types of tea and tea <laughs> strands and so on. Cool. And so Yang really would like to be able to appreciate that, but he's an android, so he can't, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so and a lot of this film is just, so obviously Yang malfunctions and in the search for repairing him, uh, they unearth his memory core. And so Jake and the rest of the family can view um basically vr you know projections of yeah. of his memories and is it like and how so Yang it's interesting sees the world and exactly sees the so it's really wow. interesting in terms of like what is what are the memories that he holds dear yeah you know what is important to this android so it's again going back to what is what is human or what is important to us and our identity and it's yeah, yeah. it's it's really really interesting subject matter i know someone that would love this movie oh yeah me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? Um, yeah, no, did you like it though? It's, it sounds like you liked it. Yeah, I, to a degree, I think, okay. it's, I think it's good. Um, I think the story in the film was a bit thin and overall it dragged. Okay. Um, but the world and the themes are very, very cool and interesting. Yeah, just everything was a bit uh, too understated. It ended up just being a bit boring. I don't know, just the way they portrayed the characters and their performances. Yeah. I don't know if maybe this is just like the world they were trying to create, but it came off very lacking in, I didn't feel any connection to any of the characters, particularly the main characters of uh, Colin Farrell and Jodie Turner-Smith, who's the uh, his wife. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. So I didn't really find any real connection to the characters I uh, thought the the story in the film itself was quite thin and dragged. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a shame. But overall, still, I think it was still a good movie. I sort of recommend it. But, yeah, it's it's not no quiet earth. Yeah. Uh, you okay. know, there's better, there's better movies out there. Um, I think for some people, some people will find this too boring. I can tell you that. Um, that's a shame. I think, I think there's yeah. some stuff there, and I and there was some things there. Like like I said, the world was really cool, and that whole idea of what makes us, you know, who we are, and yeah. so on. But uh, yeah, just sort of touches on these big ideas, but doesn't deliver on. Yeah, doesn't maybe follow through with the execution. Well, it really felt like a short story, which is what it is. It's based off a short story. Yeah, and it felt like a short story. Oh, okay, which is you know what I mean. Like it just didn't. Yeah, there wasn't enough. Uh, substance there. Sometimes it? a short story, it just it just feels like a chapter of a bigger thing. Correct. And yeah, and that's what and that's what this felt more. like. Yeah, yeah, it felt like to me anyway. It felt like a, there was so much more potential, and we mm. never really got there. Maybe it would make a good double feature with uh, um, Bicentennial Man. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I'm still not sure I, if that movie is that good movie. or bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. I saw that movie in cinemas. Me too. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing that in Same cinemas. with Flubber. 
Oh man, <laughs> don't even talk to me about Flubber. Flubber, I I just imagine Flubber oh. is one of the reasons why Robbie, Robin Williams got on the antidepressants. Oh, Flubber baby. is <laughs> careful. <laughs> careful. <laughs> Flubber I'm, like, is, I'm like, where are you going with this? Flubber is just he, when you watch Flubber, I, I guess he's playing a scientist that is. Um, you know, not good in social situations, but I think it's just Robin Williams not giving a shit about. He's just you know doing it for the paycheck, probably, which is yeah. rare for Robin Williams. But yeah, absolutely. Bicentennial Man, on the other hand, um, I know that he has sex with like the granddaughter of. <laughs> it's such a weird movie. Um, it's weird watching Robin Williams as a robot have sex with people. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Well, <laughs> yes. what just happened? This went places, yeah. Um, After Yang, though, you know what? I I remember, yeah, hearing about it when I was doing some research into yep. the uh, you know the note noteworthy movies of the year, and I think I heard a similar sentiment. Just that what you were saying, it kind of could have been a bit more. Could have been a bit more, yeah, yeah. But Which it's, is some, it's some cool territory to explore, and yeah. you know, um, yeah, they could have really explored a bit more than they did. So it's based on a short story. What's the runtime on After Yang? What's that like? It's a good question. I think it is fairly short. Okay. Because um, if it's like 95, 100 minutes, that's not too bad. Some of these movies, though, they just, you know. Not... Uh, one hour and 36 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So that's cool. 96 minutes. I mean, I know I've already had this rant on this podcast before, but a lot of the movies that I've picked for this episode were like 100 minutes, 90 minutes, you know, 85 minutes. Yes, yes, yes. Boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so, think, yeah, this one is short, but it, it, I don't know. I felt it. Okay. And it's a 96-minute movie, and oh, I really shit. felt it, yeah. which is not not good. Um, no, nah, fair enough. Yeah, just, yeah, it wasn't enough material there. No, um, fair enough, man. But, yeah, like uh, I said, some of the material that is there, though, is very interesting. Um, yeah. And it's got a really cool visual style as well. Worth checking out. I think you yeah. might, might get a kick out of it. I'll be curious to hear what you think if you do. Yeah, it's in my wheelhouse. You know, I'm definitely, I'm prone to that kind of thing. So maybe I'll let you know if I give it a go and, and we can um, touch base on it later. Yeah. For, and if you're Aussie, uh, it's uh, up to stream on Binge. Awesome. I've got Binge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. So that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Cool. It is an interior core problem. I need your permission to break open the core. We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this bot in your house anymore. I wish I had a real memory. What do you mean? Um, speaking of movies that we said we would get back to once I had seen it. Okay, yeah, nice segue. I f- I finally got onto Bo is Afraid. Nice. Okay. What yeah. did you think of it? I was a little bit, well, you know, during the movie, I was a little bit confused, but I did really enjoy it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was confused as like, do I like this? What is, you know, yeah. am I enjoying this? <laughs> um, but no, like just having, I saw it a few weeks ago and just, you know, I still think about it. Yeah. It still kind of plays on my mind a bit. Um, and I did really enjoy it. It's like, you know, it's split up into the different segments. And again, like spoilers for this one, because I do want to talk about specific moments and scenes that occur. And okay. if you want to watch Bo is Afraid and you haven't seen it, turn this off right now or skip ahead, you know, yeah, maybe 10 minutes or so. But yeah, I mean, I, I think when I saw the trailer, I knew like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit worried when I had heard he wanted to do a four-hour thing and the studios were like, oh, no. Um, but I really loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And you not so much, right? No. And I did say, though, I'm like, you might, I, feel, I had a feeling you might enjoy it. Yeah. Remember I said, I'm like, oh, I think, you know, but despite my uh, reservations, you, yeah. might, you might actually enjoy this one. And so well, there you, you go. You were right. I was right. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that you enjoyed it. That's yeah. Good. Uh, it, it's sort of, and uh, you know, it, it's a movie that people have described as like a big prolonged anxiety attack on acid. But, <laughs> That's um, a fair description, yeah. But, I mean, similar to Uncut Gems, people said that Uncut Gems, it, it almost was unwatchable just for how anxious it made them or stressed out people could get watching that movie. Yeah. I didn't get that for Uncut Gems. I just, you know, I, I like it when movies have that tension and stress. I just didn't feel it for that. Mm. And I didn't feel it for Bo is Afraid. But, um, yeah, right. Okay. 
I, I enjoyed it. I was I was really laughing a lot. Mm-hmm. I was loving looking at all the little details he had put in that first segment, like all the little posters and graffiti or vandalism around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The hallway of his building. It was great, or, wasn't it? I was, like I said, in the other row, was it two ramps ago? Yeah, I think yeah. I think so. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The first act was my favorite. And I yeah, loved, there was stuff that was really well done. Like yeah, all that like you were talking about, all the stuff in his apartment and the bath scene. And <laughs> just there's so many great stuff in that first that first third of the film that I think is mm, top notch. That was a big laugh for me when he's, yeah. when he's in the bath. It's like Bose finally can relax <laughs> over the bath, and there's just some guy on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's so um, good. And like I said about that real manic. Uh, yeah, Eric Andre. I know what you energy. mean now. Yeah. Yes. In an interview, the director didn't want to really make it clear whether or not some. They just asked him. So you know, are, are we seeing? Um, is this a version of reality, or is are we seeing Bo's mind? He's like, he was quite reluctant to give a definitive answer because as you're watching it, you're like, oh, we're getting, you know, that's not what the real world is like. We're getting oh, yes. Bo's perception of it. Yeah. But the great thing about this movie is there's never a moment that would that cuts away to quote unquote the real world it's mm-hmm. all it's always consistently bo's reality which is why i really loved it um there was never a cutaway where the street he lives on is actually peaceful and you know now that he's left the area it's cut to a normal area no it's just it's constantly messed up and crazy because mm-hmm. it's his world i i really loved that and um you know the part that i think I, the, yeah, it is segmented and it's like an odyssey. Yes, of course. It's yes. all about he's got to, he's going to visit his mother. Yes. And it's that anxiety <laughs> around, oh, I, you know. Yes, it's, he definitely has some oh. mother issues. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> right? my God. Yeah. Um, but the the part I think that where I started like, oh, am I, you know how I said, like, am I into this? I'm not yeah. sure. Was the second segment where Me he's, he's with too. the suburban family. Yeah. I, I appreciate it more now in retrospect, knowing that it, it got through that quite, you know, but I was like, oh, is this all the movie is now? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I was I was happy for it to do the next chapter. But what I got after that, I really loved. Okay. Okay, so cool. So he, he goes to a forest, like he escapes this family and goes to a forest. Yes. And finds this strange cult i guess of yeah. people there's a dude dressed as a ladybug with a deep voice is amazing yeah but it's almost like a fair in a way like it's, yeah. yeah it's like a weird hippie tent living fair yeah. where they're gonna put on this stage production mm-hmm. and that is where the movie just kicked into next gear for me because we get this amazing you know oh, visual the uh, production design for that uh, yeah. on stage play is incredible yeah. and yeah and um and like like this movie is a comedy oh, you yeah, know this sure. movie is funny because it's funny yeah the, there's this beautiful sequence of there's this dude that um he's got this movie you can watch on youtube youtube called i think it's called the wolf house the the dude that did all the animations for Bo is afraid did right. this film oh, and cool. it's a werewolf movie but it's animated beautifully and it's sort of more based in reality werewolf movie it's not a pure fantasy yeah um it's on youtube for free you should watch it it's great it's called The Wolf House. But the, one of the biggest laughs for me of this film... Actually, no, I shouldn't say that because we're going to describe more other bits next. Um, and I know I'm just repeat. I, I'm just... I know that I do this on this podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. Apart from the hyperbole and just... I love everything, blah, blah, blah. But, I, you know, just, just referencing the scenes. Um, I don't okay, care. It's man. my, it's our, it's my it's part. Your it's your part. It's our exactly. part. I don't care. I'm going to just reference the movie. This is what happens. I don't give a shit. Um, that was a bit hostile. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it, man. No, don't don't feel guilty for enjoying things. Thank you. Well, one of the one of the biggest laughs I got, and I was just so amazed that the movie was just pulling this kind of magic trick on me because yeah. he goes through this entire animated sequence where he sort of gets sucked into this production that this yes. that this know, forest I, cult that's one of my favorite doing. Bits too. Yep. And in this, well, when he's getting sucked in and going through this beautiful like animated mini story within a story he's a guy that he's kind of searching for his lost three children yep and at the end of this sequence it cuts back to you know this environment watching the stage play but he's still this old man bow that went through this whole moment Mm -hmm. and he his three boys are there and my boys (laughs) and the the funniest joke is that you know he's a virgin and and like he's not 
probably hasn't had sex with anybody because he had this trauma so young in life that turned mm-hmm. him off women. Um, and just him, him saying my boys and holding his boys. Like it's, it was a moment where you're like, oh, this is really emotional. And it's really like, you know, you, your brain is trying to figure out what is, what is the movie telling me? What is, you know, it's this mm-hmm. weird puzzle box of a movie. But at the same time, you're laughing because he's, he's this virgin that's had this fantasy about like this family that he wouldn't have had because he's he never had sex had, with anybody. Yep. It was just so good. Um, Agreed. Yeah. But just that magic trick of just writing that line between those those two points where you're watching it like, oh my God, this is beautiful and emotional and mm-hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, It was so great. Um, but And the- also it shows off one of those scenes that uh, displays Joaquin Phoenix's strength as an actor. Oh my God. He's yes. so good in this movie, right? He's so good. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I, I think he's just great in everything, but he's, um, as I said in the other roundup, yeah, I don't know who else could pull this movie off. It's not many, and uh, he's incredible, he's really. really I mean, yeah. like the Napoleon trailer came out, right? Mm-hmm. You can literally watch the other side. I mean, I don't know many actors with that kind of range. Yeah, Brad Pitt doesn't have that range. I mean, I don't even know why I thought of Brad Pitt. I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit overrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you're right, man. But I'm glad you said that. Like, Joaquin is fucking. He's so great. Yeah. I think this movie's okay. I think it's not, I'm not, yeah. I don't love it, but uh, I would never say that my uh, non-enthusiasm for this film is nothing, it's not a reflection of Joaquin Phoenix's performance because he's actually, is, yeah. he's the bit that I definitely have not a single issue with it whatsoever. It's yeah. Like he's great. He is great in this movie. And, um, and you know, I don't despair. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I, I wouldn't recommend people watch this movie. Yeah. It is a tough sell. It's three hours and it is... All over the place. Um, it was fucking right up my alley, man. What did you I think of the cock monster in the attic? That whole se- that whole sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> wild. It's a pretty wild scene. Um, Even everything leading up to that, like the sex scene, he finally yes. meets this old, you know, romanticized female figure in his life, his uh-huh. first true love, and he finally meets her as an adult and he has sex with her. And it's one of the funniest things ever. They're like Mariah Carey's music is in the background. Like the most appropriate Mariah Carey track, Always Be My Baby. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then she needs to stop. Oh, and just, you know, let's put the song back to the start. I thought that was so great. I, I, I won't just, you know, read through the movie, but that was one of my favorite. Fu- I was laughing my leg off at just Joaquin Phoenix's acting of fear and trauma and excitement and everything in one package and then she's like you blew right through the bag it was the funniest yeah. shit ever <laughs> Fair enough. and then we get like a cock monster in the attic we get i mean even the ending i think was he like another thing he likes and not just exploring uh mummy issues but addicts addicts yeah and head trauma we, and head we got trauma. head trauma yep. in this movie as well yeah um but the ending is one thing I just wanted to mention too. For like, you know, I hope people aren't listening that haven't or want to see it. But mm. for people that have seen it, that ending where I was a bit unsure, he's on a boat and he's suddenly yeah. on trial, and just knowing what the director was saying, like this is this is his reality, this is his world. Mm. The idea that everyone his whole life have been keeping track of his the things he's been saying and doing, and one mm-hmm. of the characters at one point says, "Don't incriminate yourself." And you're like, why did that character just say that? Mm-hmm. The ending pulls it all together and that makes sense once the ending is done. So when I rewatch it, I love it even more. And I did start rewatching it and I noticed the psychologist at the beginning of the film, the therapist he's seeing has like a, a video camera. He's recording things and he writes down on a piece of paper. He doesn't write guilt because Joaquin Phoenix's character is expressing guilt at not visiting his mama, mother. Of he course. writes yep. guilty. Which ties in with the and I was like, ah, oh, it it really just mm, wrapped up for me. Amazing. And, and, and that ending when the audi- we're watching, uh, it was this huge like amphitheater of people yeah, that was judging him. Set, yeah. And at the end of the film, as the credits roll, you're just watching all of these people of the audience stand up and walk away, and mm-hmm. it's just this amazing mirrored. Ah, uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> um, I, I think it. I, I'm just sort of like. Same as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, how I was saying I'm I'm stoked that movie exists because yeah. of its weirdness. Yeah, cool. This okay. is that times a hundred anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Bo's Afraid, man. Fucking great movie. I love it. <laughs> love it, man. Love it. 
yeah, I, I don't want to dismiss it for everybody. I think obviously yourself enjoyed it, and I think I hopefully I said that in the other episode that um yeah, it's not for everybody, but some people will definitely enjoy this. But then others, I think, will uh, bore their brains out. This movie, yeah, totally. It's a tough sell. Exactly, it's a hard sell. I'm sorry, I'm ranting about it, knowing how that you're it's you're sort of like yeah, it's you know mid tier, but. Um, so it must be, sorry for you to have to listen to me go <laughs> no, on and on about no, it. No, 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 no. Like I said before, um, like, I, no, it's like that meme, Shh, let people enjoy things. I just, I want to, no, no, not at all. Yeah. Man. The last thing I, last thing I want to do with this podcast is to tell people what they should or shouldn't like. Um, yeah. just, you know, just give them what I feel about a thing, but, uh, by all means, man, in fact, anything I, I would rather be, I'd rather love everything. I wish I loved yeah. everything. It kind of yeah. probably more fun that way. Make life right? easy, wouldn't it? If you loved but, uh, everything. Unfortunately, I didn't feel that way. I didn't love it, but I'm very happy that you did. Oh, good. Are you at the airport? I'm on my way. I just—it's not safe, is it? What do you think I should do? I'm sure you'll do the right thing, sweetheart. Man, um. I've been having to like go back and re-update my my letterboxed reviews. I'm I'm trying to be wary. I know I just went on a massive love spiel for that mm-hmm. movie, which I was happy to do because um I I really did enjoy that movie and I know those movies aren't going to come about too often, but yeah. I have been trying to be more actively conscious of not just slipping into hyperbole about a movie that I saw that I thought ah that was awesome because then I compare it to movies like that or movies that I've got coming up, which I really do think are five stars. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, slip, slip it back a little. You know, I think I have a tendency to overrate or overdo my reviews. I've been going back and changing like my fours to three and a halfs. And yeah, okay. some, some of my five, do you do that too? Your letterboxed reviews? You a little update? bit. I, I try. I, I, yes, I have done for a few, yeah. but I think um, I try and like, not rate it or review it like that night and give it a few days to sit on it because I definitely notice that sometimes that, yeah, I uh, can be probably a little too generous. Rambunctious, yeah. Yeah. But that's the question though. Should you, you know, I remember hearing it. Or or, or likewise, I guess also also the the alternative as well, or flip side rather of that is that I will think on it and like, you know, damn it, like that's really... You know, yeah. A, B, or C is fantastic, and this really stuck with me. And yeah, you know what? Yeah, like that. It deserves even more than what I was thinking of giving it all. And, you know, so sometimes just thinking about it and sitting on it is is very valuable. Uh, but I, th- I, I think you're go, right. No. I also, hundred percent, go back and change. I've definitely gone back and changed some too. So no, totally. I, and I think that's the best way. What you said was the best way to do it because I came out of Robert Pattinson's Batman. I was like. Four star, five stars, you know. Yeah. Fucking sick. Mm-hmm. I bought a ticket for the whole seat and all I needed was the edge. <laughs> um, yeah. But then the movie didn't stick with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've had other films where I loved them going in. I thought they were incredible. I don't think about them for one moment longer. Yeah. You know, the next day. I don't even look it up on Reddit to see other people's opinions mm-hmm. that I can just hijack as my own. <laughs> the, um, but then movies like you know Bo's Afraid or Asteroid City, I'm going to reference later on. Yeah, I, I just some of those movies like you just can't get them out of your head a little bit. But then there's also the guilty pleasures that I just think like Repo Man. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite movies ever, and it's not a movie that gets stuck in my head that same way. It's not touching on like human emotions and such. It's just a very unique film, and it just sort of hit my buttons. You know, my exact combination of buttons. It just hit all of them. Yeah. Um. So it is. It is weird to you know like well, talking about ratings and totally. it's so subjective. But but I like what you said about giving it some time. Yeah. Well, no. Thank you for saying subjective because it makes me think of I um I remember you a few years back. Oh God, it might have even been four or five years back. I remember somebody on the. I think it was the Letterbox Community Facebook group, something like that. And they were about, oh, why do people write in their bios what each star means for them? Don't everyone knows that a three is a three and a four is a four? Yeah, and I'm yeah. Like, and I replied to them because just like film, ratings are subjective. Yeah. Your yeah, four right. is different to my four. Your three is different to my three. Yeah. So I brought it up in, I think, in one of our last roundups. Yeah. Um, I think it was about maybe the platform, 
but I said, I can't remember what movie it was. And I'm like, oh, it's like a two and a th- 2.5 to a three. That's sort of an okay to a good to me. Yeah. So like I have kind of, for me, different stars are sort of like a two and a half is an okay. Uh, threes are good. You know, like I've got kind of like my own little personal scale that I have, you know, fives are like a one of a kind, you know, and so not many movies will get a five. Most will sort of be between that two to four range. And, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's for me. For other people, you know, five is just, I had a really great time with that movie mm. and that's cool. And that's as valid as my, my own personal scale that I use. I remember Roger Ebert saying, you, you judge a film on its, you know, very much paraphrasing, you judge a film within its genre and within what its intention is. Yeah. So like, point, yeah. so like a kid's movie, it, what does it take for a kid's movie to get a five if it's going for wholesome family entertainment and it's not going for touching on the mysteries of the universe and all that kind of fun mm-hmm. stuff? Should it be judged within its, within the sort of goal that it's setting for itself? And then... You and then you're sort of asking, well, yeah, I know what you mean. Like that, there should always be that five slot reserved for, um, well, you know, comparing a film to another. Paddington Two is a five star kids film. Mm-hmm. Rugrats the movie could be maybe I don't know. It's subjective. But then, like, should we even be comparing one film to another? Then that's the other thing. Why too. can't a yep. film that's got a low budget, that's just an indie film? that isn't shooting for these high goals, that just wants to do a certain thing, why can't that get a four or five star rating if it did it really well? Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. trying to be anything more. Well, you know, that's, you know, I guess that's a whole, whole, whole thing that we oh, might not be willing fish, to. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, the flip side of that too where I don't know about you, but I I don't think I've given, no way, I've got one movie that I just, it just irritates me and I think that I have that as my half star, but I don't give movies half stars. You know what I mean? I give maybe at least a one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm like, people put effort. I think pe- I gave people, a half people star. put some, people put work into this movie. Mm. And I want to, like, you know, props to the filmmakers for at least making this movie happen. That's you true. You know, like, that's it's part true. of me that's just kind of like, ah, and I can't bring myself to, like, shit on it that much <laughs> that, it's, that it's only a half star. Um, you know, one again, movie. A personal thing. It's, it's just for me the ratings. So I it's almost like a, a one to four as most. Movies. You deserve. You, you know. think they deserve at least one star they for getting the one film star for at least made. you know making it happen. I gave a, a really shitty review to this M Night Shyamalan film called The Visit. Oh, what's so Everyone funny? Was like, oh, my, my uh, sorry, cut you out. Yeah. Avatar: The Last Airbender is my. Oh, um, is that the half star? No, it's my. It's a one star, but it's like one of my. Uh, I only got a one star, I think, because when of you, that reason. <laughs> when you're like considering if it's good enough for a one, you know, it deserves that half star. Mm-hmm. But now this movie, like M. Night Shyamalan, you know, people have, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, his, his career's up and down and whatnot. And they'll say, well, Bloomhouse gave him some coin and he made this low budget, you know, video cam style, or yeah. cam style movie. These kids go to their grandparents' house um, and it's a spooky movie. It's great. And I'd seen it before and I watched it again. It's got this young white dude, young kid, and he raps and it's so awkward. It's so bad. The movie is what, 2009 or 2015? I can't remember. It's aged terribly. It's aged like a banana in my school backpack. It's just fucking (laughs) disgusting. It's just so bad though. And it's, it's like cringy and he does it once and you're like, oh, that was a pretty rough cringe, but it's over. It's over now. And he does it again. And he does it at the end of the movie as well. You're like, ah. Oh. People need to stop telling me that The Visit is a good movie. I guess that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I can say Fucking that. disgusting. Yeah. Anyway, um, we are up to your pick. We are. Pizza's here. Let's have a quick break. Pizza. All right, on to my movie number three, The Farthest. The Farthest. Is that, am I saying it right? You're saying it perfectly. The Farthest. <laughs> okay, just the way you said that. Yes. I've, ne- I've just never heard of this movie. Yeah, so it's from 2017. Speaking of space themes, as uh, a documentary about the Voyager mission. Oh, yeah. The so farthest. About, now it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, it's obviously about the farthest that a spacecraft has ever gone. Uh, yeah. Both of them have left the solar system. So back in the late 70s, they embarked on the Voyager mission, a mission unlike any other 
that they've done before or since of sending two uh, spacecraft out to basically announce ourselves to the universe and just enter. Oh, that's right. And to also explore the far reaches of our solar system and beyond. Is it taking pictures as well? Correct. Yes. So back in yeah, back in the late 1970s, they um, put some Willie Nelson on a spaceship or some. Yeah, well, that's I can't it. remember that, what it was. Yeah. So they uh, obviously built these two crafts, um, and on both of these crafts, they uh, created a gold record, the famous gold record that. Carl Sagan obviously helped create. Uh, this included a lot of music throughout time and music from different cultures. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then also had different introductions and sayings and welcome messages from oh, Earth, cool. from different people throughout. Yeah. You know, say someone speaking in Spanish or French or German or English or et cetera. Two and, bebes agua. Yeah. And so doing yeah. this kind of thing. <laughs> and then uh, also, you know, some photographs of different you know things of earth like this is what different things are. i think actually the sydney opera house is one of those photographs oh there's a bunch of different things of just like iconic images throughout the world different wonders yeah you know obviously of, of people of different oh, colors cool. and backgrounds and you know ages etc yeah yeah so that was really interesting so the film kind of cuts between the creation of the gold record and yeah. all the different elements that went into it so talking to some of the people who were actually you know, did some of these greetings. Yeah. And then also, you know, um, Carl Sagan's son was featured in a fair bit of it. So it was interesting hearing his thoughts about everything that happened. Uh, And then um, it also goes into the journey that the craft themselves actually took and what was involved with that. So traveling. So at this stage, we had never sent a craft out to Jupiter or Saturn. So we'd never seen what it actually looked like. Well, you know, we'd seen it in in, um, telescopes, but, you know, to see it in sort of a, sort of high res, better images from different yeah. angles and so on. So that was really cool. And obviously this took a long time. Uh, this mission is still kind of ongoing in a way. I mean, it's they're both now out into the, uh, what's it called? Is it, it's not, I was going to say the stratosphere, but that's not right. That's I think stratosphere is more local. It's more local. But whatever the uh, that name of it's called. The but, farther, but, but it's outside, furthest reaches. It's outside the, yeah, our solar okay. system, yeah. Into, yeah. The greater, into the greater universe. There's so many wild things about this. It's a really fascinating document, documentary. I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. I think the way it's been told in this kind of chronological order where it goes from the beginning launch and the creation of, you know, what everything that went involved in, yeah. know, in terms of like the importance of the mission and all the different elements involved, but then going on to, you know, when it went to Saturn and when it went to Uranus and Neptune and so on and when it finally escaped our, our solar yeah. system. So that was awesome, being able to see this... 30 50 years of a story that would be really great actually i know i know it sounds like um you're a total nerd but for liking it but no (laughs) i totally am i i I do really want to watch this it it would be right up my alley The, the main thing i knew about voyager growing up was from star trek the motion picture okay because it's vija at the end of that movie you know some of the letters were scuffed up by dust or something yeah nice Um, it does sound really interesting, though. Yeah, yeah. I would love to. The farthest, yeah. Pop, pop this on the list. So yeah, it's just like lots of cool little little bits. Um, Where did you watch it, actually? It's uh, on Apple TV and it's also on YouTube. It's on YouTube as well. Yeah, I've got like a cool playlist of full movies on YouTube. There are so many, and I'm just gonna add it to my playlist. I don't know if it's a YouTube rent or if it's like just someone's uploaded YouTube though. Oh, okay. No, you know what? I'm no stranger to buying movies on YouTube. Do you want to know the last movie I bought on YouTube? <laughs> What's that? I paid five bucks for this movie. Yeah. 13 Ghosts. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. So I'm no stranger. Sorry. I'm no stranger to buying movies on YouTube. And I'm happy to pay for a movie like that, you know. It's a decent length. I think it's closer to two hours, maybe just over two hours. All right. Uh, yep. But it, it, it's it's great. It's, uh, it's, such a, it's a love letter to the mm. Voyager mission. Um, it's, and you really feel it. You really feel um, all the people they interview. Uh, it just feels like an emotional journey for them and you can really hear the passion as they talk about the importance of the mission and what it meant for them. Mm. I don't know. It's really incredible stuff. It's an incredible combined human feat and you really feel that when you're watching it. 
just the things like, you know, t- talking to, I interviewed some of the engineers yeah. and what was involved. Obviously, they were going and exploring the planets and our far reaches of our solar system, but also the moons as well. One of the wild things that was brought up, which I didn't realize, was that the computer on it, they designed it so it was reprogrammable. So they could reprogram the computer to help the camera when it reached different planets because obviously low light or different atmospheres, the camera could be reprogrammed so that it could, you know, have higher frame rate or whatever it might be so they could take a better uh, picture of yeah. us. Because mind you, as one of them points out, there's a JPL scientist named Rich Terrell, probably pronouncing his name wrong. He said, in everyone's pocket right now is a computer far more powerful than the one we flew on Voyager. Mm. And I don't mean your cell phone. I mean the key fob that unlocks your car. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a mindfuck. Exactly. So it's wild. But what was so great about it was that they could reprogram it. Mm. remotely from here so they could sort of oh that's that's so they would basically reset the computer and reprogram obviously there's still the hardware was still limited to essentially key fob but they could reprogram it so it could harness every single byte that i had just to be able to take a couple photos at that time they needed with the right settings so they're using like mega wi-fi network or something to well i mean it would take ages it would take hours to all days even i would imagine to send the wow yeah that's that information wow doesn't it yeah but this mission goes for years you know i mean this yeah. is 1977 i believe and mm. it's you know what year did it did it sort of breach the solar system i think it was around early 2010s yeah fuck oh that's crazy isn't 2015 it? 2015 or something like that maybe Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds great. So I imagine there's some really cool Carl Sagan clips as well. Well, that's the other thing too. It's It obviously features the famous pale blue dot photo that I'm sure everyone yeah. has seen. Um, that was a byproduct of this mission. It was just after they had visited Neptune. Yeah. And they were part of the brief. Uh, Carl Sagan asked the NASA administration, could they turn around, take a photo of Earth? They were very reluctant to do so because they didn't see any scientific purpose for doing that because mm. they're just very scientific-minded. And they were like, why would you do that? We know, we, know, we know what Earth looks like. Like, we don't need a photo of Earth. We know what it looks like. And he was like, no, no, trust me. Like, please. And begged, literally went to the top administrator at NASA and had to convince him personally, <laughs> can you please turn this around, take yeah. a photo? And then, of course, now that's, you know, so famous and important. He and, said, I, I want to blow away 25-year-old stoners on YouTube in the year <laughs> <Basically>, 2010. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds cool, man. I'm happy to hear that one. Um, I've popped it on my letterbox. Yes. So, yeah, if you're a bit of a, a bit of a science nerd, if you're a bit of a space nerd like myself, mm. uh, I think even then, I think it's very... Just a very entertaining, well-structured film, very yeah. well plotted, and it's just heaps of great stuff. It's just a really a massive love letter to Voyager and space, and just the importance of yeah of those kind of missions. And, and it's you know, something we and, don't and humanity as well. It's a bit of a love letter to just you know the, the achievements that we can we all combine our efforts together and what we can achieve. Yeah, so oh, that's really nice. It, it, it's something that um, you don't think about so much. You know, Voyager is. It's so like integral to exploring mm-hmm. space. It's just not discussed too much. I don't remember there being as much of a news uh, news thing when it breached the solar system. But well, yeah, we talk more about is, Apollo and stuff, and yeah, the, and the moon landing and things what went like wrong. That. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. So it's nice to nice to talk about this as well. Absolutely, man. No, that's a good that's a good recommendation. That one. Um, I, yeah, I'm just having a little squizzy. Oh, 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 yes. Um, one that I wanted to talk about was this movie that came out this year called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Oh, yes, cool. I've been really interested in watching this one. Yeah, I kind of heard mentions of it, um, that it was, oh, you know, it's a cool movie that came out. It was really good. Uh, it is good. Mm -hmm. It is a good movie. I'm I'm wary because I know you want to see it, so I'm wary if I if I review it a certain way. Oh do no, I... please, please. Okay, it's all you know. It's all subjective, like we I said. Feel, so... I feel like most of our podcast is light spoilers, anyway. Yeah, I'm not gonna. You know, the movie. I will say this: the movie is set up as like a tense kind of. It's a bit of a thriller. It's based. It's based on a book by this Swedish dude. Okay. Who was kind of advocating for more 
vandalism, like more take more action for climate change. Mm-hmm. Let's start um, not hurting anybody. He wasn't saying that. It wasn't really even apparently the book doesn't advocate too strongly for these things. It's just making the point of destroying property doesn't hurt anybody and it does send a message and um, it's not the worst idea considering the way things are headed but he wrote that book before lockdown um, mm-hmm. or, or no part of me I think the book opens with this preface about how he was accumulating all this before lockdown and lockdown happens and stops a lot of this climate activism that was kind of gearing up and ramping up so yeah. now it's even more important that people take action and so the book came out like 2021 and this film is only two years after. It's a good movie. It's like a low, feels like a low budget movie. There's no big actors, which is kind of cool. And it's sort of structured around looking at each of these people in this group that have come together to blow up this oil pipeline. Okay. And um, it, and it was, yeah. It, what I really loved about it was the look of the movie. It was shot on like Kodak 16 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. So... It feels like an 80s movie. It's got this cool soundtrack too as well. And um, and just the look of it, you know, it looks like a nice grainy film. These beautiful shots of the Texas desert where, you know, the oil pipeline is. One thing that I, I wasn't sure of on the movie though was, you know, like when you hear that you're going to get a movie about young activists, activists and it's a thriller and they're mm. going to blow up a pipeline, you're like, well, are they going to get caught? Like is the, you know, all the tensions from... Are they going to realize that, you know, are they going to get busted by the man? And mm. and it's actually the lesson of the film is that you shouldn't do this kind of thing. Because um, it's all a fictional thing, right? Like it's, it's all hypothetical. Yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's, it's not a real true story. Right. And it, when we say it's based on the book, the book isn't detailing like these people that went and blew up a pipeline. No, I think it's just based on it in the sense that it's sort of like these characters could have read this dude's book and then been spurred on to go gotcha. blow something up. Gotcha. Um, but if you're asking yourself, is the movie going to kind of um, renege on its on its intention of like climate? Act- no, it, the movie is for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the one thing that I was kind of grappling with a bit. I was like, oh, is this movie kind of like, is it really about how the characters, they want to blow up a pipeline, but really, you know, there's something else mm. in their life they're trying to fix? Yeah. Um, no, they, they want to blow up that pipeline. That's that's what it's about. Okay. And just, yeah, some really nice shots. And yeah, like I said, it looked really cool. It was acted well. And again, nice short movie, 90, 95 odd minutes. Nice. Okay. I do recommend it. That. It'll yeah. be one of my favorite movies of the year, I'd say. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Obviously, I wasn't sure at first how... Um it's, you seem positive, but mixed on it. But then, okay, so it's it's high there. It's very high. I realized that I was a bit of a I was a I was a bit of a narc, man. Like I was like, yeah, they okay. shouldn't be doing this. I mean, this is property damage, and this is that. But yeah. but if you are at all a little bit impressionable, like I am, mm-hmm. you might watch this movie and walk away thinking, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go blow something up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm surprised the movie got made, but. But apparently, um, when they were making the film, they were careful to, um, I don't know if they were like, you know, consulting the authorities or anything, but I think they were careful to be like, we don't want to put anything in the film that's going to, it gets taken out of circulation. Exactly. It's not quite the Anarchist Manifesto or something. It feels kind of close, but I mean, there are, you know, each character has their own reason to be doing what they're doing and Mm -hmm. there are negatives in their lives for what they've done. But I think as a whole, like the film is like, no, 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 we're, we're promoting this. Like go fucking, this is a good idea. Do it. (laughs) Which I thought was really interesting. But, um, I think when I sort of chilled out and took it as like a, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like sort of a punk rock movie. I was surprised this kind of movie would come out. It's so different to the, that's cool. To Ant-Man and the Wasp or whatever the flash or the, uh, what was that new Pixar movie that kind of didn't do very well? Elemental. Oh, yeah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah I don't think... I, and I, I think usually pretty up with my yeah. Pixar movies, but I didn't watch that one. So, yeah. there you go. Yeah, but no, you're yeah. right. It's good. And I think that's it's uh, admirable that some different movies are being made and 
exploring these kind of ideas and doing it in this way. It's cool. Yeah. It's I was cool. I was surprised it didn't do that trope of um oh actually mm. you know the all the characters' lives are gonna suffer in some negative way. Yeah, you, no, yeah. oh, I think some of them get away with it and they're perfectly fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um but no it, it is worth watching. I um I may not be selling it very well. There's much more to it than what I'm hinting at. I'm kind mm. of trying to be a little bit restrained um for your benefit there but uh no nah, yeah good, good movie how to blow up a pipeline i reckon if you can get your hands on it or if you can see it at a screening i'd say check it out awesome yeah. all right hey everyone welcome back to boom talk today teaching myself to make a homemade blasting cap and if this works it'll be step one making our own improvised explosive might be headed to texas for the winter what's in texas project what kind of project all right should we uh call it here for today and then come back at part two next week yes yes um yeah so this is the end of part one thank you um we'll see you all next week for part two see you then ciao bye you have been listening to look who is podcasting christmas in july mega roundup to be continued tra la 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 la